Welcome into the Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your host, Lauren McClain. What's up, my friends? Lauren McClain here with Cleon Wall, and we're doing what we do best, talking all things BYU Cougars. Here's what's coming up on the show today. BYU Cross Country's Brandon Garnica chats with us about the number two Cougar success this season, Fortnite, and unicycle riding. Plus, Utah Tech's Executive Director of Intercollegiate Athletics comes on to discuss joining the WAC and the importance of these in-state games. But first, let's get to know the foe and talk about which seniors being honored during BYU's last home game of the season we'll miss the most. How's it going, Cleon? Can you believe there's only two more football games left? I know there's plenty of other sports, and we're going to talk about cross-country today, but still, can you believe we only have two more games left? The season's gone fast. And I know we've seen winning streaks and losing streaks, but it's gone fast. I was going to say, there's been a lot of drama in this really (laughs) short season. There has been. And really, hopefully, we have three more games left with the bowl game. We'll get to that a little bit later. BYU plays its last home game against Utah Tech, and it will be the team's first meeting ever from Utah Tech's inception until 2006. They were a junior college program and a very successful one. In fact, I went to Snow College, and Dixie State and Snow College were rivals, and they had a really—they were both very good junior college teams. In 2006, they made the transition to Division II, and two seasons ago, they became Division I. So they are the same as Southern Utah University and Weber State in terms of football. In 16 years, they went from junior college to FCS Division that's, One. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. That's that's good, especially when you think about where they are down in St. George, Utah, to be able to do that. It's not like they have a huge area to, to draw from. I mean, St. George is kind of out there. They're still a few hours from Las Vegas and a few hours from Salt yes. Lake City. So I, I give them a lot of credit. I, I think that's really cool. And we invited Ken Beezer, Executive Director of Intercollegiate Athletics, on the show to talk more about Utah Tech Athletics and to tell us his thoughts on how Utah Tech football has done their first year in the WAC. Thanks for joining us, Ken. Uh, Thank you, Lauren, for having me on today. Well, we're excited for the game on Saturday. Now that all of your athletics have joined the WAC, how would you describe how Utah Tech athletics has grown in the past couple of years? Well, just student body-wise, obviously we've been exploding down here with with the university and the offerings and the change to Utah Tech University has has been a great bolster for that as well. But uh, athletic, you know, once we made the transition, uh, to Division One and accepted membership to the WAC conference. Uh, there's been a real peak in uh, interest in our athletics programs, and uh, you know our student athletes have have really um, you know put the effort into to grow their sports. And if you see where we're at this year, as far as wins and losses compared to our first year, uh, you can see that play out. And it really is incredible the type of growth that your school has done in the last 15 years or so. Do you see Utah Tech eventually growing to become? A big FCS program in the future. I do, and and maybe even beyond. Um, it's um, th- there's no doubt in my mind, or the president's mind, or any of the coaches' minds that this uh, can be um, a real giant here. And that was the plan when we went to Vision One. It wasn't just to be competitive. Uh, we want to be dominant um, in the FCS, you know, landscape for for years to come. Well, there's so much driving people to Southern Utah. What do you think needs to happen in order for the athletics to grow even more? down there in St. George? Obviously funding. Um, funding is the, the, the number one um, resource that we are, we are trying to accumulate right now to, to match the growth. And, you know, that's coming as, um, as our fan base down here is, is getting more and more involved with what we're doing. And uh, I don't know if you've been able to see our stadium. We just opened up a greater Zion stadium this year and what that's been able to do for us. But uh, again, more of that as we have to upgrade our facilities, um, bolster our coaching program, support our coaches that we do have here with um, some financial 
uh, a backing as well. So it's going to it's going to be based upon funding right there and then just moving forward. This is Utah Tech's inaugural football season in the WAC and second season playing in the FCS. Overall, how do you feel like the football program has done in their first year? You know, right now as we stand, I, I'm relatively um, pleased with where we're at. We, we knew there was going to be a, a growing period and, and a, spurt, a spurt where we um, needed to make a jump, and, and that's how it played out. Well, we started off a little rough um, as we were trying to fill our way through with the level of competition. And then as you, you've seen, Lauren, over the past three games, that we, we've been able to flip that switch a little bit and turn some of those close losses into wins. Well, BYU isn't your first ever FBS program you've played, but do you feel like this game means a little bit more because it's your neighbor up north? Uh, for, without a doubt. And you even dig a little bit deeper than that. You'll find a lot of um, relationships mm-hmm. and crossovers between BYU's coaching staff, our staff, and even myself having been the athletic director at Southern Utah University. Um you know, worked with many of the coaches on your staff up there. And so, and then take it one step for, further, you know, Coach Clark, his son is a coach for us, Jameson, mm-hmm. <laughs> down here. So it, it could go on and on and on. Um, so definitely excited for this game. We we appreciate the opportunity to come up and, and, and play in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And there, there's a lot, if you dig down deep, there's a lot of uh, crossover between Utah Tech University and BYU. That always adds some intrigue to the game. It's really fun. What does it mean for your football program to be able to schedule games, other Utah FBS teams such as BYU or the University of Utah? What does that mean to your program? You know, it, it's um, it's kind of a stamp of, of approval on us. And I literally just came from a, a marketing meeting with, with the university and um, we went through some surveys and some some test results about name recognition within the state for a university with obviously just the name change happening. And we we anticipate a sizable jump uh, in name recognition just from playing this game against BYU within the state. Hmm. And, and so that means a lot to our university and to our department as well. That name recognition is going to increase just by you know playing this game and you know BYU having a bye this past week it actually gave us two week of media two weeks of media exposure mm-hmm. as we were their next game after the Boise State game so it's really enhanced our recognition throughout the state you mentioned that the stadium was recently renovated and you guys added some new features for example a new locker room for the football team what impact do you feel like that's had on the football program so far um, there's an immediate, uh, I mean, it was, it was special. It was one of the most uh, special. I've been in athletics a long time and it was one of the, the best, most, um, emotional experiences I've had to watch those student athletes walk into that locker room for the first time. And I guess you have to recognize and understand what they have been using over the past and to see the immediate boost in morale was, was really, um, pleasing to me and, and those who were there. And as we go further, if you look at recruiting, um, one of the, the top things you have traditions and facilities are the top two um, components that recruits choose or look mm. to when they choose an institution they go to. And that's been consistent throughout the years, facilities and traditions, as you move back and forth on that every other year, sometimes facilities, sometimes traditions. And we think we're on the level now with our facilities that we can recruit with the other FBS programs in the region. And as I said earlier, we're going to continue to build upon our facilities to where we can go beyond FCS and uh, start recruiting at a higher level. So interesting. Focusing on this year's team, what would you say is Utah Tech's biggest strength going into this game against BYU? Um, you know, I, I think our, our consistency and what you would call complementary components of offense and defense and special teams, I, I think that's where I've seen the team really kind of bond and gel 
is how the defense is playing off the offense and the offense, um, you know, playing off the defense and special teams as well. We're over the first, you know, half, two thirds of the season. I thought that was kind of disparate and um, not really noticing how they, you know, how they complement each other. So I think our strength is just in, in the team understanding and concept of how we benefit off each other. And then to get more specific, I think our quarterback play has uh, substantially had a great uptick over the past few games, as you see, and just not only the stats, but in the results. So I look forward to seeing that continue as, as we go against um, BYU this week, the continuity of, of our team concept, and then the offense continuing to, to find opportunities to, to strike down the field. You sound like you could be a coach, Ken. <laughs> I used to be. Yeah. Well, there you go. That was a great breakdown. We're here with the Executive Director of Intercollegiate Athletics for Utah Tech University, Ken Beezer. Ken, thank you so much for coming on with me. We're excited for the game on Saturday and, and hope it's a good one. Oh, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you. Appreciate the time. Cleon, BOU has an FCS opponent scheduled from 2023 to 2026. Southern Utah in 23 and 25, Southern Illinois in 24, and Utah Tech in 26. Do you think BYU should regularly schedule FCS opponents? You know, I think it's good for the small schools. I don't personally like it for BYU. Um, I like it for the small schools because they get they get a nice payout. Um I would rather BYU play Utah State, Boise State, San Diego State, Wyoming. I've said this before. Any old conference rivals, I'd rather them play those teams than play down a division. That's that's my opinion. I admit if 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 BYU's gonna play these games, and as we as we talked about, there are some on the schedule, I'd rather they play some of the schools that that are close to them. And I would say, like your in state schools, like your Utah Techs, your Southern Utahs, your Weber right. States. I'd rather them play those teams. Then and I have nothing against Southern Illinois, but then playing Southern Illinois or uh, on the years that they play like Illinois State or something like that. I I would if you're going to play this game, make it enjoyable for both fan bases uh, is what I'm trying to say. Where the other fan base can travel, come to come to Lavelle Edwards Stadium and enjoy it. But in in my opinion, I'd rather BYU not play these games. See, and I agree with you about making it an in-state game, playing Weber State or Utah Tech or or SUU. However, I do not agree with playing Boise State or Utah State, you know, in place of those teams every year because you have seen what those games have done to the health of BYU's football team. It is just destroys players, and so many people get hurt. So you and I have discussed this before. I think it's necessary to have, when you have such a hard schedule, like BYU will have going into the Big 12, like they've had during Independence, to play some of these smaller schools to give the second, third, and fourth stringers some experience and playing time, which they haven't really gotten this year, if you've noticed, really. That's and, true. And so when the depth needs to start coming in, they're not ready because BYU has not played one of those smaller schools yet until this point in the season. So uh, I, I think it's important to give the first stringers some time off to get healthy. I think it's important – when you're trying out new things, new plays or schemes, and you can experiment a little in these games because you're almost it's almost a guaranteed win. So especially since they usually play each other earlier in the season, which I think is when the game should be played, so you can kind of work out the kinks. I would just say I have a short rebuttal, and they come from two different paths here. Number one, if I'm a fan, no offense to Utah Tech, I'm not looking forward to this game. Right. It's It's the senior day game. That's the only thing that – it has a hold for me. It's like, oh, it's senior day. I should go support the seniors. But as a fan, I don't really care about this game. Yeah. Because I know 
unless BYU is really bad, I know BYU is going to win this game. And so mm-hmm. I guess for me, I, I'm not excited about this game. So from the fan perspective, I would rather not play an FCS opponent. The second thing I would say here is if BYU plans on getting into the future college football playoff, I think it's bad when you play FCS opponents. It looks good on your record, but if you're thinking, yeah, I want to get in the college football playoff, beating Southern Utah is not going to do it for you. But don't most of these, even the SEC teams, Alabama, Georgia, don't they play an FCS opponent to start the season? They do, but you're talking about the SEC now, and so they can get away with doing that. Is BYU going to be able to get away with that in the Big 12? I don't know. Maybe they can, but I I would just say – I. I'm not saying you have to play tough teams every single week. And yes, maybe playing a Wyoming or Utah State would be bad. But I think you kind of need to play an FBS program or FCS program. It looks better, I think, on your resume. Now, as I say that, this season, Michigan played a cupcake non-conference schedule. And their conference schedule, just because in their Big Ten, they're in the Big Ten, they're getting good looks. But other than that, their conference schedule hasn't been good either. And they're they probably, until they either lose to Ohio State or beat Ohio State, they're they're in the talk for getting into the playoff, and it's only a 14 playoff. So, I, I mean, there's still some wiggle room out there. I guess for me, I, I would just say it would look better if you don't play FCS opponents. That's my opinion. Well, let's have this discussion, because you mentioned from the fan perspective, you're not looking forward to this game. You don't look forward to a game – where BYU plays an FCS opponent, which which is true. However, if you're looking forward to the future, we have not been able to see Jacob Conover play the entire season. So we don't know whether Jaron Hall is coming back next year or not. As a fan, I'm very intrigued and excited to see what Jacob Conover can do, even against an FCS opponent. I just want to see the guy throw. You know what I mean? So that is one thing you can get excited about as a fan, is seeing what the future holds for BYU so if you're looking for an excuse like why should I go to this game why does it matter well let's let's look and see what the future has the future players but but what do we learn though from Jacob Conover playing Utah Tech I I mean yeah he's, the, he's gonna he's still get playing time throws. He, he, he's got he's gonna get playing time but is he actually gonna be throwing or is he just gonna be handing off because BYU is gonna have a big lead or I I, I don't know I I guess for me you can still get that valuable playing time during the season you can do it in one of two ways, and I know some fans may not may not like the one way, which is just have designated series where the other quarterback goes out there. That's dangerous, but that's one way. The other way you can do it is, I don't know, beat the other teams good enough so you can put your backups out there. <laughs> and I know that's a tall task, too. I, yeah. I, I get that. I totally understand that. But there are other ways that you can get players playing time. It doesn't always have to be against lesser opponents. Or if those less, if you want a lesser opponent – Maybe you find an FBS lesser opponent. As I said, it, I think in the near future, it's fine. Right now, BYU has an FCS opponent through 2026, and that's fine. And they'll probably schedule some more a little bit farther out there. You'll probably see Utah Tech again or Southern Utah or some, some team like that. But I'd say the, the farther you get in, I think it's better if they play FBS teams. And that may be tough on them, but hopefully by that time, eight, ten years down the road, they have a good enough team that they can do that. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens with BYU because it could go a lot of ways, honestly. It'll be intriguing to see what happens with BYU entering the Big 12. Here are a few fun ties between BYU and Utah Tech. On Saturday, BYU tight end coach Steve Clark will have the opportunity to coach against his son, Jamison Clark. Jamison is a defensive assistant coach for Utah Tech. And for a long time, 
Jamison would help out BYU's football team, and now he has a chance to coach against them. Jamison said he always looked up to his dad and that Steve is without a doubt Jamison's hero, and he feels privileged to have the opportunity to face BYU and his dad. And Jamison told the Deseret News, it's very cool, and I'm humbled and very grateful to be a part of it. That's a cool, That's got to be a cool experience for both of them. And it's cool, too, just because Steve also worked his way up to BYU. He coached right. at your Southern Utahs and your Weber States, and his son's kind of following in his mm-hmm. footsteps. So I think that's that's really neat, too. Uh, Utah Tech's head coach, Paul Peterson, uh, he spent the 2006 and 2007 season with BYU as an offensive graduate assistant. Uh, by the way, BYU's record was 11 and two that 2006 mm-hmm. year, so not not too bad. Nope. His brother Charlie played as a BYU quarterback in '95, '98, uh, and then '98 through 2001. Uh, some other fun ties: uh, Utah Tech D-line coach Lo- Loney Fangupo played for BYU in 2010 and 2011. I remember Loney when he played. And offensive coordinator Craig Stutzman was a senior wide receiver on Hawaii's 2001 team that beat BYU. It was the last. It was his last game as a Rainbow Warrior. And he was ejected from the stands for punting a ball into the stands and then jumping into the stands after the fans. By the way, he said he didn't regret it. The only thing he regrets <laughs> is that he didn't punt the ball farther into the stands. Was Kalani a part of BYU's 2001 team? He was not. He had graduated. Just graduated, right? Just graduated, yes. Oh, because that would have been a fun reunion. All right, it's BYU football senior day with 37 guys being honored, but just 13. Who will for sure be playing in their last game at Lavelle's Stadium? Who are you going to miss the most? I'm probably going to say Lorenzo Fautea. He's battled injuries. He's hung around. He's fun to talk to. He's the guy I'm probably going to miss most. We had him on Cougar Tailgate Mm -hmm. before the start of the season. It was fun to talk to him. I'll probably miss him the most. Yeah, he's battled a lot of injuries and – Hope he can finish off the season strong. I went with Lupina Katoa. He's been a bright spot in the run game his whole career. I remember when he was on the scout team right after his mission, and the starting defense was pleading with coaches to let him play because he was so impressive, and BYU needed a running back at that time. He's extremely hard worker. He's quick, hits holes hard. He He's had to take a back seat at times to other backs throughout his career, but what I love is he just comes in and he does his job when his number's called, and he stayed loyal to BYU regardless, and I hope his last two games are standouts for him and he ends on a high note. Since this is BYU's last home game, I thought it would be fun to remember that this is also the 40th anniversary of Lavelle Edwards Stadium expanding. It was known as Cougar Stadium back then. Yeah, 1982, they upgraded the stadium, added the permanent stands in the end zones. Former BYU Sports Network color commentator and Cougar QB Mark Lyons played in the stadium before the upgrade. He thought the old 45,000-seat stadium was pretty nice for the time. It did just go up on the east side and the west side. There was no end zone. Uh, Later on, they did put some uh, bleachers in the south end zone. And uh, but at the time, yeah, the south end zone, I think uh, at the time um, it had a track around it. And uh, that's where we always had to do our mile test was on that track. And it was uh, had a press box that. I thought at the time was state-of-the-art. Mark said that he had no idea this was not the first stadium where BYU played college football. We did one pep assembly, or pep one night uh, over there at that old, the old uh, bleachers that went up next to the PE building. The PE building was there, but the bleachers were still there on the side of the hill. And uh, that's when I found out that there was a stadium there, and that's where they used to play those games. Those stands are not to the east of the Richards Building anymore. The stairs that go from the Richards Building, or basically the Richards Building and Smithfield House up to campus, were the stairs for the stadium. 
Mark eventually graduated from BYU and then became a broadcaster for BYU football games. And he remembers when Cougar Stadium expanded from 45,000 seats to 65,000 seats. The stadium was nice. It really was nice, but it was getting um, older at the time. The, it was a little more dated and the, it was uh, it was full all the time when things were starting to pop, you know, and the Lavelle started winning uh, conference championships every year. And the fans were showing up and so they needed to have more facilities to be able to handle those crowds and uh, for them to put that all together in an off season, they did it in one season to have it ready for the next year. And they did, they took out the track, took, uh, so they were able to lower the whole field. So they lowered the whole playing area in order to add seats that would make it come closer to uh, the field and added those scoreboards at both ends that were pretty, pretty at the time. They were pretty cool. And, boy, the press box got a, a big upgrade. Uh, one thing I want to say is that Lavelle Edwards Stadium, the record uh, for attendance there, 66,247, 1993, when Notre Dame came and played here. It'd be nice to get that many fans in the stands again. I'm not sure I'm going to see that happen again because they've reduced the number of seats because mm-hmm. they've ripped out a lot of bleachers. By the way, I've heard from some fans can they just rip out the rest of the bleachers yeah, and put more seats in? let's make it a little in? more comfortable. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, exactly. Mark Lyons, what a wonderful guy. Coming up, the BYU men's and women's cross-country teams are atop the WCC and looking to make another mark nationally. Senior runner Brandon Garnica joins us to discuss his top ten finishes and what it's like to race against his twin brother. Don't go anywhere. This is Cougar Tailgate. Welcome back to Cougar Tailgate. I'm Lauren McLean alongside Cleon Wall. Both the men's and women's cross-country teams have been outstanding this year, sweeping the WCC championships in Portland in both the individual and team portions. And joining us now is senior runner from Springville, Utah, Brandon Garnica. Thanks for coming on with us, Brandon. Thank you for having me. So, Brandon, you're a senior. What's it like knowing your cross-country career is coming to an end at BYU? Um, You know, I haven't taken time to consider that. Like, (laughs) <laughs> I still feel like the freshman that came on back in 2018. and You had I, to think about that, didn't yeah, you? Like, had, when was I a freshman? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's it's weird to think about. I haven't really thought too much of it. I've just been doing one race at a time. And, and I think once, once it's done, I'll probably take it all in. And But I'm I'm just, yeah, I'm blessed to be here for the last couple of years. We know that you still have some running to go. But up to this point, what, what do you think has been your lasting memory of being on the BYU cross-country team? that would have to be winning it back in 2019. And so that's probably my favorite lasting memory of just here on BYU's cross country. Not many of us are national champions, as you might know. How would you describe the feeling of winning that national championship in 2019? It was tough. It was tough. It was very wet, um, but I was very proud of it. I We put a lot of work in that year, and um, we were kind of the underdogs. We weren't really ranked that high. We It was looked at as like a rebuilding year. So to come out with the championship on top, it was just amazing. It was I was blown away. And you're from Springville. That's just south of Provo. Yeah. I mean, it's like right in BYU's backyard, but that doesn't mean you're thinking, yeah, I want to go to BYU. So why did you choose to come to BYU? Um, mainly two reasons. It was the academics are really great here. And then the program here for our cross-country team is just phenomenal. Uh, I mean, with the coach like Ed Eyestone and then 
at the time we had like Rory Linkletter, um, Connor McMillan, Clayton Young, and um, coming up was Connor Mance. And so I saw a lot of amazing athletes and then uh, particularly the degree I wanted to go into, they had it here. And so those are some of the reasons why. I chose to come to BYU. You have a twin brother, Caleb, who also runs uh, cross country for Utah State. How did you two decide to run at different schools? What was that process like? Um, towards our senior year, we were more separate. Like, you know, you think of twins and you think of, you know, a best friend forever. But uh, <laughs> towards our senior year, we kind of became more independent. And when it came to running collegially, um, he had his own plan. Uh, he wanted to go to Utah State. And I was like, you know, I want to go to BYU. And we were kind of just content with that. We were like, you know what, we're going to part pass and we will meet each other at the end. And so it wasn't too, I guess, too big of a deal, but we very uh, mature about it is how I would go about it. I'm always interested in that. I, I've met twins who, and we've even interviewed twins on different shows here on BYU Radio where they're like, yep, we do everything together. We make decisions together. Was there anything that went into you becoming a little bit more independent? Was it an age thing or what was it? Um, I think it was age, friend groups, um, interest. Um, we still have a lot of interest, but we just kind of found more interest in other other subjects or uh, activities. And so, and we also just felt like we needed our own uh, identity. That's the one thing I feel like with twins is if, if you know twin A, you obviously know twin B, but we kind of went away from that. We wanted some, some definite uh, personal identity to ourselves. You wanted to be your own person, and I totally understand that. So with all that independence, was your relationship with each other more supportive, or would you say it was more competitive when it came to running? Definitely supportive. We support each other a lot, um, and especially throughout these uh, last few years. Um, I still catch or keep up with him and, um, and just ask him how he's going, and I do a lot of stuff outside of cross-country with him, and so it's fun just to come back and have no competitiveness between each other and just more like, how's it going? Like, um, how was your school year? Like, what are you doing and, and who are you hanging out with? And so it's really nice to catch up with them. Okay, that's nice and all, but who's the better runner? I mean, come on, you can tell us. <laughs> you, you can look at the stats and you can, you, I mean, you can figure that out for yourself. <laughs> you're not gonna, Oh, you're so nice. Yeah, I, I was going to say, so I nice mean, if, if you're better than your brother, maybe you ought to just say, <laughs> you know what, I'm better than my brother. He knows it. I know it. You know, that's okay. Don't, don't make him do it, Cleon. I, don't make him do with it. With a smile on his face. He can do it with a smile <laughs> on his face and a laugh. I, mean, I will give him the, um, he does have an All-American on me in cross country. So he does have that. And so I'll give him that. Okay. All right. Brandon, you have had 10 top 10 finishes during your time at BYU and two podium finishes for cross country. What is your mentality like during big races? How do you accomplish all that? Just try to keep as relaxed as possible, especially uh, with those longer distances, um, and especially in the 10Ks. Just I want to be relaxed as possible, focus on the goal. I usually have a plan um, beforehand that I w would like to follow throughout the race. Um, and then I always have that um, little bit of like in the air, like if anything comes up, just ride with it and kind of just be ready for anything. You are not only an athlete. I mean, we talked to all these athletes and we talked to them about their running, but, you know, you're studying, you're, you're trying to get a degree. Uh, what is it like trying to balance those things out? Because not only are you on the cross-country team, you go from cross-country to track and field, like, right after this. So you guys are going fall and winter. Uh, what is that like for you? How tough is that for you? Um, it's pretty tough. It's a lot of discipline when it comes to planning, scheduling, making sure you're on top of homework. Um, coordinating with professors, TAs, um, and just the biggest thing is like, yeah, discipline, just getting the homework done first and then having fun later is really what I try to do. 
So are you still in electrical engineering? Is that still your major? Yes, I am. All right. So after the track season is done, what's your plan? Is it to keep running or are you wanting to do something in engineering? I would love to go and do professional running. Um, I have a lot of older teammates who have done that and I'd love to follow suit. Um, but I also have like a contingency plan that if that doesn't go out well, then I would fall back on my degree and do engineering. Um, and I'm not really sure where I want to go with that, but I love electrical engineering. And so I'm sure I'd find something with it. You mentioned that you've had former teammates that have gone pro and that they have been professional runners. What what do you think that is? I mean, what's that next step that you need to do to go from, hey, I'm a pretty good collegiate runner to I'm competitive on the professional circuit too? Mm-hmm. Um, definitely place well at this uh, national, um, national race on Saturday. And then um, get some really fast times in the indoor and outdoor season. So that would be close to like Olympic qualifying time. So I can't remember what it is exactly. I think it's 13, 13 for the 5K and then like 27, high 27s in the, in the 10K. Wow. And so really just fast times, win some big races, kind of get your name out there. And hopefully an agent will, uh, will pick you up and get you a shoe brand. Well, we wish you the best of luck. I hope that happens for you. Now on to the really important hard-hitting questions. Are you ready? Yeah. Uh, your bio on the BYU Athletics website says oh, no. that you play Fortnite <laughs> competitively. What does that mean? <laughs> How do you mm. play Fortnite competitively? Well, I'd have to, I'd have to go back to freshman year because that's when I played a lot of Fortnite. Um, and I was <laughs> just messing around with my friends on the team and just, what should I put for my bio? And I play a lot of Fortnite. I, I would say I didn't play it competitively, but I consider myself playing it competitively. Um, but that's just, I just like to play a lot of games. It's one of my uh, pastime hobbies is to play a lot of video games. And so at the time it was Fortnite, it's uh, now other games, but it's just to be, I guess, competitive like in racing, but competitive in gaming. Brandon, I, I also heard that you are great on the unicycle. What kind of tricks can you do? I can go up and downhill. That was really hard to do. And oh, okay. I can do a little bunny hop. And so that's about that's about it. I can it's like riding a bike right now. So if I got a unicycle the other day or if like tomorrow, I would be able to ride it and probably do those things. Another thing I put in my bio is just like my friends like put something unique, and I was like, well, I know how to ride a unicycle. <laughs> so, so what you're telling us is don't put too much weight on what the athletes put in their bios. <laughs> yeah, I would say for mine, yes, I I do a little <laughs> uh, have some fun with it. We're here with senior runner from the BYU cross country team, Brandon Garnica. Brandon, thank you so much for joining us, and good luck with the rest of your meets this season. Thank you. And that does it for us today. Thanks again to Ken Beezer, Mark Lyons, and Brandon Garnica for coming on the show with us. You can join the Cougar Tailgate wherever you get your podcasts, on Apple Tune and Stitcher, Spotify, or on BYUradio.org. Cougar Tailgate is a production of BYU Radio.